Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening and God bless. This morning's scripture reading is from Colossians 3, 15 through 17. The peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you were called in one body, and be thankful, people. The word of Christ must live in you richly. Teach and warn each other with all wisdom by singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. So this morning we're blessed to have a a great guest preacher. When Emily first told me that she would be away, she goes, I have got somebody. She goes, it just makes me mad that I can't be there myself. So Rosilla White is here to, to preach to us today, and Emily wanted to make sure she was properly introduced, so she sent me a note to you all. I'm so pleased that Rosella White will be bringing a word to you all this morning. Rosella is a gifted colleague who serves as the program director of Young Adult Ministry in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. In addition to this, she is a writer and has recently joined the Mudroom blog as a regular contributor. I came to know Rosella through our participation as fellows with the Beatitude Society, an organization dedicated to supporting leaders in the church who are committed to the work of justice experimentation, and gospel transformation. My only regret is that I won't be able to receive her with you all, but I'll catch her on the podcast side. Please do what you, uh, please do what you do best by extending Rosella a warm HP dub welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go. Good morning. Emily cracks me up um, at the length she goes to be detailed and organized, and so I hope that I do um, her justice and that um, we have a good time this morning in the Lord. So God is good, and all the time. I am from Texas, um, and this outside right now, I just, I, I don't get. I get on a plane this afternoon to go to Fargo, North Dakota, and the high there today is negative three. So I'm, I'm praying and pray for me, saints. So, One of my favorite authors is Parker Palmer, the founder and senior partner for the Center for Courage and Renewal. He is a world-renowned speaker and writer and activist who focuses on issues of education, community leadership, spirituality, and social change. I especially love his work around the divided life, wholeness, and healing. He says the following, afraid that our inner light will be extinguished or our inner darkness exposed, we hide our true identities and become separated from our own souls. We end up leading divided lives far removed from our birthright wholeness. We pay a steep price when we live a divided life, feeling fraudulent, anxious about being found out, 
and depressed by the fact that we are denying our selfhood. The people around us pay a price as well, for now they walk on ground made unstable by our dividedness. How can we affirm another's integrity when we defy our own? A fault line runs down the middle of our lives and whenever it cracks open, divorcing our words and actions from the truth we hold within, things around us get shaky and start to fall apart. So I have some questions for you this morning. When were we taught that the best way to survive is to live a divided life? to compartmentalize, to separate our thoughts and feelings from our actions? When did we come to believe that there are parts of our lives that are sacred, those things that are defined as holy or um, divine, and parts of our life that are secular, those things that are considered to be unholy? Why do we think that the God of all creation only sees some things or hears some things or cares about some things, not everything and everyone. So many of us exist with walls built around our hearts. We are literally walking wounded and oftentimes we hurt people along the way. Many of us believe that keeping people at a distance and hiding parts of ourselves is safer than being vulnerable and letting people in. For some of us, the thought of spending time alone with our thoughts and feelings and reflecting on this is our version of hell on earth. For others, the notion of our whole life mattering to God incites a type of fear of being fully seen and being fully known. But the irony is, God already sees you. God already knows you, and God already cares for you more than you could ever imagine. For all of us, for our whole selves. This way of being, this way of living a divided life, is the antithesis of what God wants for us. When God decided to show up in the person of Jesus Christ, God's vision for humanity was clearly revealed. In the holy mystery that we call the incarnation, God used an ordinary girl to bring to life the extraordinary fullness of who God is. God is both divine and human. The incarnation provides a tangible example for us of what it means to live an integrated life. So I like to begin with definitions, not for anyone else's benefit, but for my own clarity. I believe that there is power in naming and defining terms, and it brings around clearness in terms of what it means um, to have a deeper understanding and common language so that everyone is on the same page. So when I began working on my sermon for today and using the extensive notes that Emily gave me to make sure that I fell in line with what the series was, um, I came to understand that you all are in this series called Flourish. So to flourish is to grow or develop in a healthy or vigorous way, especially as the result of a particularly favorable environment. When was the last time you felt like you were flourishing, that your life was opening up in new ways? When was the last time you felt like your environment was ripe with opportunity? Do the people around you create space for your inner light to come forth? When I think about our life in Christ, the community that we are called to be and how we are called to love ourselves and each other, I think about the fact that God deeply desires for each of us to flourish. We are not stagnant beings. We were meant to grow and to change and to create. Our life can be an exercise in flourishing. 
In addition to flourishing, we are called to live divided no more. We are called to a life of integration. So to integrate is to combine one thing with another so that they become whole. To become or to bring people or groups with particular characteristics or needs into equal participation in or membership of a social group or institution. When we practice integration within ourselves, our disparate parts bind together and we learn how to love our whole being. We become aware of our triggers and places of growth and we are intentional with our pursuit of healing and wholeness. This is the purpose of Christian faith and the Christian life, to flourish and to bring us into integration with God, with ourselves and with each other. The text from for today is from the book of Colossians and it speaks to living a new life in Christ. So I also have to go back and read the text in its context. So I'm gonna actually share with you most of chapter three. So chapter three of Colossians verses one through 17. And I'm gonna be reading from the message version. So the message is a paraphrase, um, but I love the language and hopefully it's a little easier as you're listening to it. This part of the text is entitled, God is your life. And it reads as follows. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ, because that's where the action is. See things from his perspective. See, your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. When Christ, remember, now this is your real life, shows up again on this earth, you'll show up too, the real you, the glorious you. And that means killing off everything connected with that way of death, sexual promiscuity, impurity, lust, doing whatever you feel like when you feel like doing it, and grabbing whatever attracts your fancy. That's a life shaped by things and feelings instead of by God. It's because of this kind of thing that God is about to explode in anger. It wasn't long ago that you were doing all that stuff and not knowing better, but you know better now. So make sure it's all gone for good. Bad temper, irritability, meanness, profanity, and dirty talk. I still struggle with that. <laughs> Don't lie to one another. You're done with that old life. It's like a filthy set of ill-spitting clothing you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the creator with his label on it. All the old fashion are now obsolete. Words like Jewish and non-Jewish, religious and irreligious, insider and outsider, uncivilized and uncouth, slave and free mean nothing. From now on, everyone is defined by Christ. Everyone is included in Christ. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you, compassion and humility, kindness, quiet strength, discipline. Be even tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, Wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. And we get to verses 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. And cultivate thankfulness. 
Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. Instruct and direct one another using good common sense. And sing, sing your hearts out to God. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of the master, Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. So Colossians is one of the letters that was written by Paul during his time in prison. He had never visited Colossae, but the church there was founded by one of his converts from Ephesus. Paul heard that the Colossians were a faithful group, but that they were living a divided life. They were trying to gain power and control over their lives and the lives of others. Does this sound familiar to you, or is this just something that's familiar to me? Have you ever tried to control the life of another? Paul is reminding folks that it's not about what they do, but it's about who God is. Paul begins this chapter with a focus on the individual, on the letting go of behaviors and mindsets that lead us to division from God and who God is and from what God intends for us so that we may flourish and lead integrated lives. When we focus on our relationship with Jesus, we grow an understanding of who we are. We care more about the things that matter to God. We let go of ways of being that harm ourselves and come to understand that Jesus' way of being models healing and wholeness, not division and disconnection. Using baptism imagery, Paul helps us to see that living a life in Christ provides us with a new environment and a new way of being. There are no longer divisions. We are made whole. This way of being impacts all of our life, including our relationships. As followers of Christ, we are called into an integrated life. I spent a lot of time thinking about wholeness, what it means, what it looks like, what it feels like, if it's even possible to achieve. When Emily asked me to preach today, she said, you're coming off of a two-month leave, and I think this would be perfect for you. You've been doing, um, spending this time getting yourself together, and the topic is integration, and I actually got really excited. So like many people, I've lived a life full of ups and downs, full of moments of profound joy, but also deep pain. For many years, I lived a divided life, one that was marked by fear and shame. I am one who lives with depression and anxiety, I've experienced times of despair like that I thought would never end, times when I felt alone, and like I thought that my shame would swallow me whole. I talk about these times and this reality of my life as my shadow side. I've been on a journey to embrace this part of myself, and I believe that by fully embracing my shadow, I will begin to put together the fragmented pieces of my life in order to experience wholeness. However, I've learned that I can't do this alone. I do this as a person of Christian faith, as one who believes in the power of the Holy Spirit to make all things new. I follow in the footsteps of Christ as I practice living an integrated life. And it's hard. I need a community of family and of friends and colleagues to help make this goal a reality. Living an integrated life is not just about my emotional health. It's about my holistic health, and that includes every aspect of my life. No longer is anything off limits. I know that God wants my whole life, that God is my life, and that means that every decision, every relationship, every job, and everything else that I do is viewed through the lens of who Jesus is and what Jesus did. I'm not perfect, nor am I trying to be perfect. I just want to be faithful and to remember that my life is not my own. 
I can't help but think about the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as I consider people who lived integrated lives. Now don't get me wrong, King had his share of demons and shadows and he was not perfect by any means. But he was a person who recognized that his call to ministry was his life. He couldn't separate his faith from the call to justice from his prophetic witness. His life and his work, his family, his relationships, all came together in an integrated way that led to a consistency of focus and intentional action toward one goal, to create a more just, moral, and loving world. So this is not about us being the next great civil rights leader. This is about learning from the example of a life in action and living our own lives on purpose, out loud, right here and now. We follow the greatest example of integration in the person of Jesus Christ. Here we have a model for living and loving that shows us that God is our life, that we too can experience healing and wholeness and flourish right where we are. So this week, I invite you to consider how God is calling you to integrate your life. This looks different for each of us. What are the places in your life that you keep separated? What's at stake if you let down your walls? How does living divided keep you from experiencing the fullness of who God is? What would flourishing look like for you? I leave you with these words from Parker Palmer. Before you tell your life what you intend to do with it, listen for what it intends to do with you. Before you tell your life what truths and values you have decided to live up to, let your life tell you what truths you embody what values you represent. I invite you to take some time this week and reflect on your life. Take some time to listen to your life. Create space to experience your whole self and watch how God uses every part of your story and your life to bring about change. Amen.